Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to another episode of the Hedging Screens podcast. As always, I'm your host, Zach Cronin, and I'm eternally grateful that you would choose to spend some more time with me here today. Um, I know what you're thinking. It's Friday morning, and you just woke up, or whatever, you've been woken up. You've decided to open up your podcast player of choice, and you're thinking to yourself, I'm not used to hearing your dumbass on a Friday. And I understand that because I'm not used to recording on Thursday. But after after doing my thing on Tuesday and Wednesday, the floodgates, the trade rumors, the speculation has just been nonstop for the, fa- for the past couple of days. It's been a goddamn Category 5 hurricane of potential trades, players wanted to... Sw- players wanting out of one situation, getting moved on to different contenders and shit. It's like being down in Tallahassee in late August. It's just hurricane after hurricane after hurricane after hurricane. And I'm like, damn, I missed out on all this shit by 24 hours, right? It was, it was fucking just bizarre, right? And I guess, I guess that's come to expect it now that the NBA actually has a framework for what the offseason is going to look like. But nevertheless, I was a little tight that I missed all of it. So I felt that it was only right for me to um, amend that by coming on, by jumping on the mic here on Thursday and talking about all the, just all the shit that's been going on. Most notably, right, the Houston Rockets have a lot of shit to deal with right now. Uh, Russell Westbrook wants out of Houston. That was the bombshell that really, it didn't, tick everything off but it stands it stands well above the rest right so russell westbrook i forgot who tweeted the original report i'm trying to i'm trying to find it but I, yeah i'm still i'm trying to find it i'm on twitter right now and it's just it's just a fucking it's a shit show right russ comes out says he don't want to play for the rockets no more and i can't really blame him the rockets have nothing going for them and if i'm russ i'm up in age time's running out you got to go you got to go win a title right now with twitter as y'all know as soon as any player demands out or chooses to express their discontent with their current situation everybody just starts tweeting out potential trades and i mean everybody it is a it is quite possibly the largest talking point when any trade is being constructed and typically all of these ideas are fucking terrible right because it's usually just done you know in a in a clickbaity fashion you know it's it's tongue-in-cheek it's haha whatever it's fun let's see just like how let's see how quickly and how ferociously we can stir the pot right like i got this i had this tweet stumble across my tl i was actually at the gym in between sets and it was bleacher report putting together some trades for russell westbrook so we're just gonna take a gander here at these ones first one the knicks of course because why why talk about stars being potentially traded and not mention the new york knicks so we have the knicks receiving russell westbrook and his bloated contract in exchange for wayne ellington bobby portis frank nilakina Kevin Knox and a 2021 second round pick. Now on the surface, this trade is decent, I would say. It's definitely not the worst trade that could have been compiled. Of course, really, um, Frank being included in this is something a lot of Knicks fans I don't think are too thrilled about. But it's also kind of um, astonishing that only one pick is included in this deal. And I guess that's just knowing what we know about Russ and the potential deterioration that's going that's going to occur 
over the next couple of years. Now, the second trade is the Clippers. The Clippers get Russell Westbrook and a 2021 second round pick. Um, and the Rockets get Pat Bev, Lou Will, Ivica Zubak, Rodney McGruger, and Mifiondu Kabengel? Kabengeli? I'm sorry that I'm butchering your name like that, my guy. Um, it's just, uh, that's a difficult name to pronounce, fam. I'm sorry. But uh, I really don't know what to make of this trade. Uh, same goes with the Pistons, who are pretty much just doing a straight-up swap with Russell Westbrook and Blake Griffin, which makes no fucking sense to me at all. And then another thing that came out was that the Hornets are now suitors for Russell Westbrook. Um, Why are the Hornets involved in this? Like, I don't... I, I don't understand. Like, this is, of course, no disrespect to Russ because he's a fantastic player in his own right, but... A team like the Hornets, for example, is not going to accomplish anything trading for Russell Westbrook. Best case scenario, they go to the playoffs as an eighth seed and they win They win one game against either the Bucks, the Raptors, or the Sixers, whoever is in the top seed at the time. There is no shot that they get anywhere beyond that. They probably don't have enough to tr- enough assets to trade for another guy to bring Russ on. Or to bring up, yeah, to trade for another guy to help Russ, like it's that that's a very weird potential potential deal that could go down. I mean, I'm just trying to think like teams that could really benefit from Russ. Obviously the Clippers, but at the expense of all those guys, um I I don't know. That is super, super risky, right? The Clippers, as we know, are Already, we know they're a decent team, but Russ, I don't know what he brings to the table for them because they become much more limited on offense and the shooting. The shooting, of course, is a big, big deal. They're trading Lou. If they were to trade away Lou Williams and Patrick Beverly, who can both of whom can hit anywhere from like 36 to 40 percent of their threes for the season, uh, that's that's very dangerous. And of course, Patrick Bev what he does on the defensive end, that's really irreplaceable. And again, you're going to bring on Russ and uh, it's not really going to make that big of a difference, at least to me. That's just, that's just how I feel about it. Um, Another thing is that this dude's contract is so fucking massive. It's just like, any team that brings that on is weighed down tremendously. And I'm not saying that Russ does not deserve to make all this money because he's, again, a sensational basketball player who has proven himself over and over. And, you know, he got that Supermax deal or whatever it is. And, I mean, what what are you going to do? Tell him he can't get his money? I'm glad he went out and got his money. But teams have to be wary of that. Like, they are severely hard-capped. Clippers having to pay Kawhi, PG, and Russ really won't have much wiggle room anywhere else. And that pretty much signals that they would have to let Montrez Harrell walk um, whenever this free agency uh whenever this free agency period begins. Like it's just I again, I don't really know what team is the best landing spot for for 
Russell Westbrook. Like it's just he's such he's such an intriguing player because statistically he does everything right. He's a great scorer, fantastic rebounder, especially for a guard, and he can make plays at a high rate. Granted, the turnovers can also be a little bit much sometimes, but you tend to you tend to get over that when you're handling the ball as often as he is. And that was really the first domino that the Houston Rockets have had to deal with. The second one is actually not about James Harden, although we're going to get to him in a little bit because something something um, did come up surrounding his name, but it's about P.J. Tucker. This is an interesting one, right? P.J. Tucker has done so much for the Houston Rockets, right? So he comes out and he's like, yo, I want my motherfucking money. It's like, pay me because I deserve it. And, you know, looking at it, this dude has a case, right? I'm going to pull up P.J. Tucker, right? I'm at basketball reference right now. P.J. Tucker, over his last three seasons in Houston, has played pretty much every game. Been one of the best 3 and D guys in the league. Plays fantastic defense. Gets boards. Makes corner threes off of passes from Russ, Harden, Chris Paul, whoever was there at that time. Over these last three seasons, he has accumulated um seven. We'll do eight, eight. He's made about twenty-four dollars. Twenty twenty-four dollars. Twenty-four million dollars. Pardon me. Twenty-four million dollars. And this season he's set to earn eight again. And so he comes out and he wants a raise. Especially after the shit that they put this man through this past season, right? So you got PJ Tucker who stands at about six foot five. He is below average height wise as far as NBA players are concerned. And the coaching staff and the front office is like, all right, bro. It's like, we know that you've been playing the three and the four for most of your career, but you're going to be the five now. You're going to have to go out and guard Steven Adams, Anthony Davis, Nikola Jokic. LaMarcus Aldridge, pretty much any big that we're going up against on any given night, that's going to be your man. And P.J. Tucker, who is a little short, a little bit on the older side, did all of this for an entire season and throughout the playoffs and did not complain at all. At least that I remember seeing. I Never once did I hear about P.J. Tucker being disgruntled within his role or that he's having to uh, play well beyond his means. And, you know, he kind of does make a case. Now, the only question is, are the Rockets going to honor that, right? Because, again, P.J. Tucker's about 35, and we don't know how much longer he's going to be in the league. We don't know how much longer he's going to be able to produce like this. And are the Rockets going to—are they going to—are they going to dig into their pockets for him, even if it's just for, like, another year? And— how much is that going to be worth? Is it be worth ten million? Does he want fifteen? Does he want sixteen? Like, are they gonna? How are they gonna approach this? Right? Are they going? Are they gonna just be all pissy about it and be like, "Yeah, bro, we hear you," but nah, that's not gonna happen. Um, like, I, I don't, I don't know, bro. I don't know what the Rockets are gonna have to do. They might just. They may very well just let him walk after this year, and I feel like that would be the best possible case because they're not doing anything 
I have no confidence that this team is going to be successful over the next couple of years. And if they have all of these like little beefs happening and just like the pot is stirring within the locker room. And I saw, I saw another tweet here. Um, this coming from the athletic saying that Daniel house, Austin rivers and Eric Gordon are all upset with their roles as well. They also described PJ Tucker as being irate. So maybe I'm not, I'm not appropriately describing his anger toward the franchise or his animosity toward the organization, but that's on me. Um, yeah, shit's going down in Houston, right? And I'm just going to head to their team page and we're going to we're going to assess the situation, right? First, we're going to start off contractually. I got to find that. So, for this upcoming season. Holy shit. Russ and Harden are making 81 million dollars between the two of them. That's fucking incredible. Eric Gordon's about 16, Robert Covington at 12 or so, and then PJ Tucker, Daniel House, Austin Rivers so on and so forth. Really no more big contracts outside of uh, Gordon, Harden, and Westbrook. But Gordon, um, I think his gripe is the most interesting because he wasn't really healthy for most of the season. He played in 36 games, averaged 28 minutes, spent you know a bunch of time being the sixth man, and he started every now and then. The playoffs come around, and let's look at what he did during the playoffs. He got a significant rise in minutes for the playoffs. And I really don't understand why he's not happy with his role. It doesn't it doesn't make sense to me, right? For the postseason. Again, because he was fully healthy and, you know, able to actually find some rhythm. Was third on the team with 15 field goal attempts a game, about 15. But here's the thing, right? He averaged 17 points, but his shooting numbers were dog shit. 41% overall, 32% from three. Um, I don't I don't understand what the beef is. Like I would I would love to sit down with EG and just, you know, ask him, like, hey, what exactly is wrong with the Rockets organization? How could they better utilize you? Because the thing about it is the way they're constructed, Russ and Harden, they're they're responsible for everything. And the Houston Rockets offense is beholden to their production. There really isn't a lot of room to bring in other shot creators because they're just gonna take they're gonna take shots away from Russ and Harden. Guys like Eric Gordon and Daniel House, PJ Tucker, their jobs are to sit on the perimeter and be ready to shoot with five seconds on the shot clock. That's 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 how it is. That is the that's the rub right there. They're not they're not expected to create a large bulk of the offense. Even when one of those guys is sitting, the other one is present. And I think that is the overarching issue with the with the Rockets organization is that it's suffocating all of the role players and you're not bring and you're bringing in guys who aren't accustomed to being in that role, right? Like another guy who was upset, uh Daniel House, I don't get why he's upset. He's he's kind of not much more than a role player just being honest. Austin Rivers is very interesting because he's shown flashes of being, you know, an above average player, but nothing really consistent. And I think one could argue that that would that that's an issue 
with the Rockets because like you go back a couple years ago, right? Austin Rivers, 25 years old, averaging 15 points for the Clippers, shooting 42% from the floor, 38% from three. So he's definitely, he can definitely hoop. He could be a quality starting point guard or an even better backup point guard. And with the Rockets, he doesn't really have the chance to do that. He's averaged less than double digits ever since ever since he came to Houston. Yeah, what is it? For like a year and a half? Yeah, about a year and a half. He's averaging fewer than nine points per game. And it's really tough playing in that scenario, right? Because you're just, you're not going to get the kinds of shots that you want. You're going to get the shots that James Harden doesn't want, which aren't always necessarily the best or the highest percentage shots. So I could see why guys are disgruntled. Um, yeah, even though I said before, I, like I would love to sit down and just find out the intricacies of it. I know, I know on a macro level why guys are pissed off because they're not being used to their full potential and they feel that their talents would better be utilized elsewhere. And I 100% agree with that, at least in the case of um, Eric Gordon and Austin Rivers. Like, it's it's difficult. It's difficult being them. And it's just, it sucks watching them kind of just be on the sidelines, not really, not really making an impact. And I think it's going to get real messy for the Rockets. It's going to be a fucking PR shitstorm all season long probably and I don't think James Harden is ever going to say anything because he's got the best gig in the world right now he he's given the he's been given the keys to some of the most dynamic offenses the NBA has ever seen and he has put up some of the best statistical campaigns in the history of the league so he's not going to do anything to jeopardize that I mean nor nor should he like even if Houston were to trade him, like there were these, I don't even want to call them rumors because I don't know how legitimate they are, but people were talking about Harden going to Philadelphia or Daryl Morey trying to facilitate a trade for him. And I'm like, bro, why? Like that doesn't, like, again, it's just like a lot of these organizations, I don't understand their ways of thinking because yeah, let's just say hypothetically, the, the Sixers find a way to acquire James Harden. They're going to be required to send away either Ben Simmons or Joel Embiid. If I'm them, it would make the most sense to send Ben Simmons away because you get more back, at least offensively. Ben Simmons, for all that he does in terms of passing and being one of the best defenders in the NBA, his scoring, his shooting, his shot creation is not even in the same, it's not even in the same country. As James Harden's, he might as well be in Canada, as far as his as far as his scoring is concerned. But how much better does, does James Harden actually make the Philadelphia 76ers? Because they're gonna have to trade away multiple pieces to get James Harden on. I mean, probably Josh Richardson. Josh Richardson. I I don't trying to think off the top of my head who else, but like that. The point is. The Sixers would not really benefit that much because they'd have a bare bones roster and they would still have a ton of holes. Their holes would be defensively, of course. Shooting would still probably be an issue. And then you have to find another 
another creator to compliment James Harden, right? Is that Tobias Harris? It might be. Do they wind up sending Tobias Harris to Houston? That could also be a possibility. And after all said and done, they may win, you know, a few more games during the regular season. But beyond that, I think there's still, I think there's still a second round exit. That's, I would have to see like an actual trade go down for my mind to be changed. But as of now, I'm not really, I'm not really fucking with that idea. I think the Sixers would just be better off sticking with what they have and trying to, you know, add players who actually fit in their roles. Maybe someone like Eric Gordon, maybe even Austin Rivers. I mean, that those could be a couple guys that they should target, especially if they are like really pissed off about what's going down in Houston. And I wouldn't be shocked because now Mike D'Antoni's gone, so they don't even have that to fall back on. It's like they're just seeing the walls close in on them. It's like they're in that scene in one of the Star Wars movies. I think it was uh, either episode five or six when everybody's in the Death Star and they're in like the garbage compactor. And the walls are just slowly pushing in. They got the fucking pipes bending. And you got Han Solo and Luke trying to push push against the walls to prevent them from squishing them. And I think that's what's happening in Houston. And soon enough, it's just gonna be it's just gonna be a tremendous it's just gonna be a tremendous blow up. And it's gonna be tough for them to dig themselves out of that hole because they mortgaged their future to bring in Russell Westbrook. And now it's been a, it's been one season and he's like, you know what? I'm not really fucking with this no more. This is kind of, this is kind of ass. And you know, he's kind of dealing with the same situation that the role players are because he too is sometimes beholden to James Harden's to not even James Harden, to James Harden, just what he does for the team. Like Russ suffers a lot as well, and he's not he's not capable of being the number 1 anymore, but I feel that if he does go somewhere else, it's going to be it's going to be more of the same. Um another story that came up was this was actually late. I didn't see this until until right before I hit record was um the Celtics, man. They're trying to reshape their roster again. This is per from Adam Kaufman. It's possible the Celtics flip picks and Kemba Walker to the Pelicans for Drew Holiday and send Gordon Hayward to the Pacers for a deal involving Miles Turner. Boston could once again transform its roster pretty significantly after a run to the East Finals. Um, what's going on here, guys? Like, where? At what point does the chemistry get formed? Like, constant roster turnover is not a good thing, and I feel that Danny Ainge among others would understand this yes i know there's still marcus smart there's still jalen brown there's still jason tatum but if you're gonna bring in drew holiday miles turner those guys are gonna want shots i get it and drew holiday in particular he's one of my all-time favorites or i don't want to say all-time favorites he's one of my favorites in the league right now i love the way he plays the game he's just he's a very solid all-around nba player exceptional defender let it be known that if he were to land on the Celtics, a backcourt of him and Marcus Smart is quite possibly the most intimidating defensive backcourt in the NBA. Like, I don't think they're allowing opposing guards to ever get more than 20 points. And if they do, they would have to take 23, 24, 25 shots. Like, that is a suffocating a suffocating twosome of guys who are big, both are about six foot four, six three, six four. They're big. 
they're athletic and they just like they play hard-nosed defense it's it's very old school of them and I think that's how Drew Holiday has helped separate himself but offensively I think he'd run into the same problems that Kemba Walker did like it was just it was very difficult for Kemba to really get anything going and it was sad to see because Kemba is a fucking he's a fucking just I don't don't even know how to describe him he's a fucking beast man like watching him with the Hornets he he was consistently playing at an all-star level and then he goes to Boston and it's just like the numbers they dip and of course that's going to happen when you're sharing the ball with guys like Jason Tatum like that's that's not his team it's Jason Tatum's that's no one's no one's gonna change that. But Drew Holiday, I think he would be. He'd be. I don't want to say he'd be better off in that role, but he might be a little more. Uh, I don't even want to say that he'd be a little more accommodating because I didn't really hear anything out of Kemba Walker that talked about his um his discontent within his role. I mean, it's just something that you know you got to deal with when you're heading to a contender but the miles turner move is particularly interesting because turner is an excellent rim protector but never really found never really found his spot offensively with the pacers like always trying to do a little bit too much it seemed decent outside shooter can kind of play in the post a little bit but not really um overall just an average offensive center at best but if the celtics are looking to pick him up for defense that's an entirely different story and what I don't understand is how they would be able to get both of these guys without parting with uh, without parting with somebody. It, one of their core guys would have to be gone. I think Jason Tatum's untouchable. It might have to be Jalen Brown. I mean, the Pelicans might want Jalen Brown. Why wouldn't they? Athletic wing, playing along Lonzo and Zion. It would be that would be a very interesting addition for them. Um, I don't know who the Pacers would want, but this really doesn't make this really doesn't make much sense to me, honestly. Like, I don't. It's it's always interesting to watch how general managers deal with their teams because you got some that are some that are too conservative, and then some that are way too liberal. I'm not talking politically. I'm just talking in their management strategy. Like, there are some GMs who will hold on to guys who know that they're not producing and the team will just stay average for a couple of years. And then you got guys like Danny Ainge, who is already trying to flip Kemba Walker, whom he got a year ago. Like, that's really, that's not enough time for him to become comfortable in the offense, let alone <laughs> having to overcome that after stopping basketball for four months due to a pandemic like i i'm puzzled actually i'm perplexed it's it's very strange i don't i i don't think i can express how i how i'm unable to see the rationale behind that like i think that would be silly because (coughs) pardon me because they would be at the same spot that they were in this year i don't see much i don't see much changing in terms of play just maybe I'm being pessimistic, but like I'm trying to be real at the same time. And before we close out, there were 
like there were I didn't realize there were a lot of trade rumors today. Like there was one with Victor Oladipo reportedly asked teams, asked other teams, quote, can I come play with y'all in front of his Pacers teammates? It happened with the Raptors, Heat, and Knicks per this is Jay Michael. Now, Jay Michael is a reporter for the Indy Star. So um, I'm not going to say that that's fake news. One thing it is, though, is that it's fucking hilarious. Like, imagine you're like Malcolm Brogdon and you're on the sideline. And Victor Oladipo goes up to Jimmy Butler and he's like, hey, can I come play with y'all? You're telling me that you're not going to feel some type of way about it. Because you're lying. You're lying. This is your best player. This is your best player. Fucking trolling you during a game. Like, bro, the level of disrespect. This is, this is hilariously disrespectful. I think it's also fucking weird that... (laughs) Yo, he's trying to go to the Knicks. Like, bro, why are you trying to go to the Knicks? No disrespect to the Knicks. I like what they're building over there. But it's for that reason why it doesn't make sense. I'm just going to close the blinds real quick. Hold up. It's getting dark. It's like, for that reason, I don't understand why Victor Oladipo would be interested in playing for the Knicks. Like, you're in your late 20s. Coming off a pretty serious injury. You're trying to get your career back on track. You're trying to get your value up again. And you want to go and play for a team that really is not close to contending for anything other than a lottery pick. Maybe it's for that reason why he wants to go there so he can go and inflate his numbers a little bit. But at least would you rather put up your typical numbers on a team like the Raptors or the Heat and you know contribute to a championship? potential championship or go to the Knicks and just kind of have empty numbers if it's me I'm saying fuck the empty numbers I'm trying to get this ring dog like with the way the NBA works if you have any chance to go get a ring you go out and do it because you can always just you're gonna get old anyway you can always just go and fuck around on a young team when you're old like I, this is still that this might be the best story of the day. Yo, can I come play with y'all? That's so fucking disrespectful. I'm surprised nobody like stuffed him in a locker afterward. Like fucking imagine Miles Turner, Malcolm Brogdon teaming up on Victor Oladipo in the locker room after playing the Heat and listening to that disrespectful ass shit. And they're like, listen, bro, this ain't going. This is not gonna fly here. And they just like lift him up by his jersey because I mean, Vic isn't really a big dude. Like he's. About 6'4", 200 pounds. Like, Miles Turner could probably lift him up by his jersey with one arm and just hold him there as his fucking legs and arms are flailing, looking like a looking like a raggedy and all. Just, that's so disrespectful, bro. Imagine. I'm just like, I'm flabbergasted. I'm fucking flabbergasted. Hold up. What was another one? Uh, I know Dallas. It says Dallas is looking for a bunch of players. Um, Yeah, I don't know. They got they they want like Zach Levine. Uh who is the other guy? Fuck. I'm trying to remember. It was Zach Levine and Bro. Why am I not remembering? Oh, fuck it. I'll just go to I'll just go to Kevin O'Connor's page. Who was it? It was Did he not post anything about it? Alright. Lovely. Zach Levine. Uh I think I might have seen Victor Oladipo there. Also, um, yeah, I could see Dallas just 
if they if they're really interested in Zach Levine, their defensive strategy is just more offense because you're gonna have Luca who can't defend. You have Zach Levine, dude can't defend, and they're probably gonna give you about fifty five points in between them, and they'll probably give up about fifty three, which is just crazy. Like you saw the games that happened with the Rockets, bro. Not one minute of defense was played by either of those teams. Shit was just. It was like, it was super entertaining. I can't even lie. It was so much fun to watch those guys just trade buckets. But like, Zach Levine would be an interesting fit offensively, defensively. It's almost non-existent because what well, he's not going to do shit. And then I think the last one was uh, the Lakers interested in Demar Derozan, which can't say I know why. Uh, it says here that Kyle Kuzma and Danny Green would likely be included in a potential package. Uh, they want to get Danny Green the fuck out of there, bro. After he shot like 10% from three throughout the postseason, like I think people are fed up with Danny Green. Same thing with Kyle Kuzma. Like the big thing that bothered me about the Lakers this season was that they never got a solid number three. Like it was LeBron and AD doing a bulk of the work. And then Rondo, Dwight, JaVale, Kuz, Caruso, Green, they all like scrapped together 60 points between the six of them. Like it was, it was tough. And yet they somehow managed to win a championship. DeMar DeRozan is in fact a legitimate number three. There's no, there's no denying his talent. Can't shoot. So that's, that already does not bode well for the Lakers. Cause you know, LeBron's kind of an, he's kind of an average shooter. AD doesn't really shoot like that. Um, Danny Green can shoot the lights out, but just sometimes does not. Kyle Kuzma also really can't shoot. That would be... I'd be interested to see how that played out because DeMar can score. He can create his own shot too, which is... Pardon me. Which is vital for anyone who's playing alongside LeBron. And he can create his shot from pretty much anywhere. You know, he's a big dude. He can play around, play around on the block, set up in the mid-range every so often and just go to town. But I, I don't know how likely that is. And I'm wondering if the Spurs try to leverage the fact that the Lakers are going for another title and try to just really squeeze as many players out of them as possible. Like That's what I would do. Just leverage that and see what happens. And with that, I'm going to close out this episode of the Hedging Screens podcast. If this is your first time listening, welcome. And if you are coming back, thank you again for choosing. Thank you. Well, fuck, I really fucked that up. Wow. All right. Well, if you're coming back, let's try this again. If you're coming back, thank you for coming back to this podcast. I will see you guys next week. Be sure to follow me on Twitter. Leave a like, leave a subscription, leave a review. Do whatever you can to support the podcast because it really helps. And again, Thank you guys so much.